Welcome to the Grace Life Podcast, hosted by Grace Life Church in Alabama. We're glad you've taken a moment to listen today. If you'd like to get in contact with us, our Facebook page and our website are linked in the show notes. We believe as you listen to the Word of God today that you will be blessed and that your life will be changed. Let's join the service already in progress in the sanctuary with Pastor West. Praise be the name of God. (laughs) Glory to God. Well, glory to God. Amen. You may be seated. That's a beautiful song. Good morning. How are y'all? What'd y'all do with the rest of them? (laughs) Oh, glory to God. God is good. God is good. I'm not going to sing, no. <laughs> it almost sounded like it, but I'm not going to. <laughs> Praise God. I want to, well, let me read you something from the book of Psalms. After I turn the Bible upside right. <laughs> Psalms 92, if you want to look at it. Psalms 92. Number one, verse, some really good advice no matter what's happening in your life today. He said, it's a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. That's good advice. And to sing praises to his name, O Most High. He says, to show forth your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. Upon instruments of ten strings and upon the psaltery, upon the harp with a solemn sound. For thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. And I will triumph in the work of thy hands. O Lord, how great are your works, and how, and thy thoughts are very deep. A brutish man knoweth not, neither doth a fool understand this. When the wicked spring is the grass, and when all the workers of iniquity do flourish, it is they that shall be destroyed forever. But thou, Lord, art most high forever. For lo, thine enemies, O Lord, for lo, thine enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. But my horn shall Thou exalt like the horn of the unicorn, and I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Amplified says, but my horn, which is the emblem of excessive strength and stately grace. The emblem of excessive strength and stately grace. You have exalted like that of a wild ox, and I am anointed with fresh oil. My eye looks upon those who lie in wait in me. My ears hear the evildoers that rise up against me. I'm still reading Amplified. Verse 12, the uncompromisingly righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. Which means they'll be long-lived, stately, upright, useful, and fruitful. And they shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon, majestic and stable and durable and incorruptible. Planted in the house of the Lord... They are flourish in the courts of our God. Yes. Growing in grace, verse 14. They shall bring forth in their old age. And the good know when we get older, God's not through with us. Yes. Because we're growing in His grace. Yes. We shall be full of sap, which I guess that makes us sappy. <laughs> and if you're sappy, you ought to be happy, Right? Full of sap of spiritual vitality, enriching the avenger of trust, love, and contentment. 
They are living memorials to show that the Lord is upright and faithful to His promises. He is our rock, and there is no unrighteousness in Him. Uh, this morning I grabbed hold of something just by an unction of the Spirit, something that was uh, I was uh, given one Sunday morning just a number of few weeks ago. And uh, so you probably remember it, and if you don't remember it, then it won't do us any good. You ever wondered what a word of God is good for if no one gets the word of God? Well, good is a prophetical word if it's not heard nor received. It's, it's worth nothing, right? You know, we, we, need to, we need to be taught how to partner with the word. When a word goes forth, how to partner that word. So I'm just here just to, to read to you again something. This came on a Sunday morning. I barely got in the door this morning or that morning, which is, I don't know, three or four weeks ago. And so here it is. He says, the work is finished and the work is complete. Now we rest in his promise and trust Holy Spirit to confirm his work through demonstrations, God's demonstrations as he works through us to set God's people free from their captivity. We boldly proclaim his word as ambassadors who are sent forth to herald his glorious gospel, the gospel of good news, a gospel that cannot be bound, a gospel that knows no limits nor boundaries. It's a gospel that sets and seals men's hearts forever, bringing freedom to those who will receive it to the whosoever will. So rejoice in the Lord. Again, I would say rejoice. Your God is at hand. And he, is, and he shall restore all that has been stolen and all that's been destroyed through Satan's deception and through his lies. Our God is mighty. He's mighty in battle. He's mighty in strength. He's mighty as a warrior. In him, victory is our song. For he, has, for he is delivering his people. Yes, with a strong hand. And he speaks his words as they go forth, prospering in all that he declares. The winds of his spirit blow upon the land. The winds of his spirit shall blow throughout this state. His spirit will revive and restore. His fire is consuming all that contains the seed of unfruitfulness in your life. He burns with his fire and all the chaff and the dross. He restores every dream the enemy has stolen. He declares the hand of the enemy shall no further advance against you. He declares the end from the beginning. His purpose shall Stand the vision he promised. It's appointed time. That time is now here. So step in and step through. Walk in his glory. And for he has supplied for all of you. Walk in his glory and be saturated in his anointing. And his glory rest upon each of you. For many he has called, yet many never answered a word. Busy with their life. Surrendering to his will never surrendering to his will or beckoning call. The wisdom of God speaks forth, cries aloud in this place. With his eyes he roams among us, searching diligently each heart for what he can find. So what will he find in me? What story does my heart record? Longing for the will and desire for the master or perhaps not willing at all, Will you where his go, where his spirit leads, trusting the steps that has been ordained for your life? For those who are present and for those who will later hear these words, 
I will perform my oath that's been spoken, for I will not and cannot deny myself. So I search each heart diligently, diligently where deep calls unto deep. Don't be concerned as to how it will happen. For the vision I now write in your heart. Provision that will be needed is laid out in the order of my plan. Never concern yourself with those details, for I have commanded the resources to come forth just as they are needed. You'll know my faithfulness with each step of the glorious plan. Rejoice, yes, rejoice this day, for your generation was chosen for the culmination for the end of days. No longer to wait, for the harvest is great before you, and together we will harvest each one. All heaven is watching with excitement. Sounds of victory declare throughout as you run this race before you. Keep your eyes upon Jesus each moment, the author and finish of your faith. He never leaves nor forsakes you. Always faithfully the king abides, closer than your next breath, always walking by your side. Now meditate and ponder on these words I have spoken, for each word reveals my plan Talk of these things among you as they build each and every day. And soon we'll be together forever in heaven, God and his family. Oh, what a glorious day. You know, sometimes when we don't get what he wants us to get, God is in the habit of repeating himself. And he would say, and again I say unto you, and again I say unto you. You see that phrase quite often throughout the scriptures, and again I say unto you. Or he would say, like, rejoice. And, and again, I say rejoice. And then he, if he gets the response out of Scott, he would say, and again, I'll say rejoice. And then, and then he's, and so he has a way of kind of repeating, and again, I say unto you. And t- until we come to the place where we get a clue. God wants to talk to us about this, doesn't he? He's interested in this. So it kind of befalls me today to hit something that we've already hit, and uh, which is, which is, Quite okay, but this uh, for some reason this is really something that's uh, he wants us to get, and we talked about this on two different occasions. Uh, there's a John fifteen. John fifteen. You know we're this is. This is new covenant. Well, if, if we know it's new covenant, and God understands this new covenant, for every covenant, He has a language, and so He speaks to us the language of a new covenant. Jesus spoke a lot of those words, even though He came as the prophet of the Old Testament to consummate that and bring that to a, a close. And to bring into us and to place into a new covenant, you, you will see places within the scriptures, even in the Gospels, especially in the Gospel of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John contain many of the same, you know, if you want to see stories or parables, because a lot of times it was an event and the, they were all there, so, but they each told from a different perspective. John is, is much different than the rest of the Gospels, and he had a, he had a different perspective. Uh, theologians say only about 8% of what's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke did John say, the, the, uh, no, did he repeat or say the same story? So he had a whole different perspective. And so he's recording, these are the words of Jesus. 
in John 15 and verse 15. He says, henceforth, henceforth, or up to now, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord is doing. Jesus said, but I call you friend. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And it wonderful the Bible is true. That whatever you ask in his name, he would give to us. So we, we, we want to go back and talk about this a little bit. The difference between a, a servant and the, old, the, old, the, the gospels use it translated sometimes servant or sometimes they would say slave uh, to that of sons. So he doesn't, he doesn't want us to have a servant slave mentality. Right. He wants us to have a mentality of being sons and right. daughters of God. Yes. Right. So Jesus speaks to his disciples and he, he said he sees them as friends not as a slave or not as a servant. See, the, the, the servant or the slave, he really has no idea what the master is doing. Right. If it's a business, he has no insight to the business. He doesn't know the ins and outs of the business. He doesn't know the, sometimes even the purpose of it. He doesn't know the big end of the thing. He only knows his particular job and what he's told to do, Right. Jesus said, if you don't know what your master is doing, see, if we don't have a clue what God's doing, then what we'll do is we'll show up for church. Or not. Right? And we'll occupy a chair, and we'll do that, and then we'll come back and do it the next week. Well, that's not what the kingdom is. The kingdom is not the order of chairs of the rising up and the sitting down. And so Jesus called the business of God the Father's business. Called it a business. And so he said the mindset will, this mindset of people sitting and waiting on God will keep us in bondage. Sitting and waiting. uh, the, the, The term is waiting on the Lord. Which is not altogether wrong, but it, but that is more of a servant old covenant mentality. If we are if we are just sitting waiting on God, or we're waiting on the manifestation of God, or you're waiting on your healing, or you're waiting on the finances, or you're you're waiting for that spouse, or you're we're, we're always waiting. We say the Lord can do all things, and while we're waiting Him to do anything, we're waiting. We believe God can do all things, but we believe he's not doing very much. And we're waiting. With very little to no expectation. It's a servant mentality. A servant mindset is, is always an old covenant mindset. A servant mindset has to be told what to do. Now, some of you are supposed to get something from this that others are not supposed to get from this, and you'll, someone else will get it a different way. But some of you need to hear this today of what he's saying to you about this. A servant mindset, once again, is, is an old covenant. It's an Old Testament mindset. Servants are always waiting 
always waiting to be told what to do next. Sometimes even those in the ministry come into the ministry with an old covenant mindset. They're willing to obey the Lord. They've been walking with God for years, but they're still waiting on their next, their next set of instructions. Most people that you meet in the old covenant mindset, mindset they are performance junkies. They're, they're, they're doing things to gain the acceptance and the approval of God. They're trying to impress God with their ministry and let, instead of letting God impress you with his ministry. Hmm? They're working for God instead of with God. There is a difference. They're working instead of resting. They're wrestling instead of resting. They're looking for that one thing, that one revelation, that one, that one book, that one deep thought, that one revelation that will get this thing cranked and get it going. Yes. Never understanding that God's in every detail. Yes. See, God's just not in the highs. He's in the highs and the lows. Hmm. He said, if you went as far as the heavens, he's there. But if you went down to the below the earth, he's there. There's no way to get away from God. So he's not, God's not absent while waiting for that next high in your life. He's in every breath. If he's not, and you miss too many of them, you'll go see him and you'll be with him all the time. Amen. So <clears throat> a slave has to be told what to do. And if they don't obey, they feel like there's consequences for it. Yes. They'll say things like this. I mean, I grew up in church like this. Well, he's got that or they're sick because they did this. Or I'm sure this, my, the, my, my, my engine blew in my car because I haven't been doing. See what I'm saying? Yeah. They, they tie God's goodness to them. They see God being good when they're good. And when they're not good, they see God as very angry. They see that God might get you. If he was going to get you, he would have already got you. And he knows exactly where to find you. You know, the scripture says that he causes the rain and the sun to shine on the just and the unjust. See, this is a gospel of, of God's goodness. You are living in a dispensation right now called grace. That will come to an end one day. Yes. And it won't be called the dispensation of grace. But you are born into a dispensation called grace. It's the unmerited favor of God. Yes. Grace is not a doctrine. Grace is an individual. Grace is a person. Grace is the person of Christ. Yes. The Bible says that the law and the commandments of God came through the person of Moses. Handed from an angel to Moses, but grace showed up in the person of Jesus Christ. Yes. We are called to live in the grace and we're saved by grace and to grow in the grace. And it talks about the manifold grace of God. We receive by grace and we, we give in grace. Yes. It's all by grace. Yes. But a servant mentality doesn't know how to relate that way. They relate in doing. 
they feel good because I made it to church and we're glad that they made it to church. But that doesn't earn you anything with God. See, it, it, it's relationship. I mean, if you was a man and you felt good about yourself because you came home to your family, you feel like you deserve something. No, that was in the vow. Right, that was two becoming one. You say, well, I was close to coming to the right house. I was just two doors away. Two doors can get you killed. Yes. <laughs> one door could do it. <laughs> doors are important. Yeah. So this is based on a, a, on a relationship, a love relationship. Uh, not, not on performance, although in him is performance. There's no one who performed any greater than Jesus. There's no one who ever performed greater than the Apostle Paul. But the Apostle Paul, when he was Saul and then became Paul, he had to start all over. Everything that he knew now has become opposite. God sent him opposite of where everything he'd ever known. I, I used to really, and it's probably a lot more than that I haven't saw yet, but when Paul said those words in Corinthians, he said, when I, when I was with you, I was in much fear and trembling. I thought, Why? Why was you, when you was with him, was you in much fear and trembling? He said, the only thing I could speak among you was what? Jesus Christ and him crucified. That wasn't his message before then. Right. He was the Pharisee of the Pharisees. Yes. He knew the law inside and out. He believed he kept all of it. Mm-hmm. So when he came among then and after the road to Damascus and he saw the light and he knew what he was called to. And he said, I was called from, from, from before my mother's womb. I've been separated to God for this purpose. So everything he could trust in before, everything that was his credentials, his pedigree before, no longer. He said, all this stuff that I do and know, he said, before this moment, before Christ, he said, all of it is dung. And so he didn't hang on, gladly he didn't hang on to the dung. So he moved forward with Christ. So he had a servant Heart. It's good to have a servant's heart. You say, well, now, wait a minute, you confused me. No, it's, it's good to have a servant's heart. It's good to serve. We are called to serve. But we need to understand that we are sons and daughters. You're not the employee. God didn't hire you. You're not on his payroll. Brother Matt said a while ago that you are the heir of God, not the employee of God. He said you are the son of God and the family of God. You don't need better seniority than sonship. And when we don't understand this, we, we, we operate in function or at incorrectly or we don't function, we malfunction. And so the old covenant mindset, what it does is it recognizes a lot of lack. Just think about these things a little bit. Jesus, he, he never recognized lack. He knew when he was around it. He knew when it was in his life. He knew when he was in a situation, but he never recognized lack not even on the earth. If you read the Gospels, here's what you can't find. 
You can't find uh, uh, him pray a prayer, make a petition, or request for more power, for more protection, for more authority, for more provision, for more of anything except labors of the harvest. Just do a quick survey in your thinking. Take, take us to the chapter where Jesus prayed for more power or more protection. Does that jog your memory? Does that take you to a place in the scriptures? When did he ask God to pour out more of his power? When did he ask God to give more provision or more than anything? The only thing, once again, he said more, more of is more labors. Only in the area recorded where Jesus, that's the only area that he ever recorded to be a lack was too many or too few labors in the field. So, so why did we pray these things? Why did we pray for the more? As if we don't have. He said, well, because we don't have. That's the old covenant mindset. It's a externalism mindset instead of internal. See, everything's out here. We see the kingdom and we see it all out here. We see it all out here and we're trying to attain something instead of in here. We, 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 know, we know what's in here and here, but we haven't got what's in here, in here, and in here. So we're still living from here out there to bring what's out there in here, if I said all that just right. But God wants us to get it from in here. Greater is he that's out there or in here? In here. Smith Wigglesworth said it this way. He said, I'm a thousand times bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. He had an understanding. It wasn't an old covenant understanding. So the old covenant mindset was, a, excuse me, a mindset of lack. So in our thinking when we do that, what we're doing is we, we, we see ourselves more as a disciple of Jesus Now, 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 this is the part you ought to get. <clears throat> if, we, <clears throat> if we have this external mindset, if we have this old covenant mindset, then when you read the scriptures, you will read yourself as a disciple of Christ. And then you will begin to believe and talk as a disciple But I'm going to say it's going to sound very wrong. There's always more than one side of the mountain, so you can't preach every side of it one week or one service. So the old covenant mindset would, would have an external mindset of, of God out here and provision out here, and we're just about to come into, and we're about to step into a new time, into a new day, and, and this prophecy, and I'm looking for this, and it, 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 everything is out there, right? And we're trying to get it to us. God doesn't see it that way at all. One guy said tall. He doesn't see it that way. He sees everything is in. When God puts you in Christ, he thought he was finished. He thinks he is. Right? It's called the finished work of what? Of Christ. He thinks he's finished. But see, if he didn't get what we need and it's out there, then it's not finished. We have to go find it. And while we're finding it 
it will all be external instead of internal. So we're always searching. We're always looking. It's always over the next horizon. It's, all, it, it's in the, the, the new year or, or the next year instead of the now. But God who made time and consumes all time said time is now. And he put you in Christ and he clothed you in Christ and he dressed you up in Christ and he dressed you up in his wardrobe. One translation said, and he said, your all purpose garment is love. Love never took you out. Love put you in. Sin took us out. Love put us in. So when we think that way with an old covenant, we have we have an we have an external mindset that when you read the scriptures, you'll never see yourself as as he is. So are we. Who was he talking about, Peter? As he is, so are we. Was he even talking about John? John said, he said, I'm the one who loved him. And he says, oh, actually, what John said was he said, I'm the one whom he loved. John had a revelation of the love of God. You see it in the epistles. He talks more about the love of God than all of them put together. So when John coined those words about the Holy Ghost in John's epistles, in uh, 1 John, when John was saying, as he is, so are we, was he talking about himself or was he talking about Jesus? Jesus. So if, 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 if as he is, so are we, and he's not talking about himself or another disciple, then who is he liking us to? Jesus. Then why do we want to be a disciple? Huh? Now don't misunderstand what I'm saying. It is right and good to have a servant's heart. So this old covenant mindset always takes us to be the disciple of Christ instead of being like Jesus. We see ourselves more as one of the twelve than being like Jesus. Amen. Once again, it's an external it's a mindset because we're not identifying with him. Jesus is the only person. Say that with me. Jesus is the only person. Jesus is the only person in the Gospels that represents exactly what you have become as a new creation. Now, let your mind go now. In the Gospels, before salvation, could any one of those disciples represent who you are in the new birth? No, they, they were not saved. So to go back and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and see us trying to achieve that is to see new creation, Christians living as someone who actually is even lost. Who'd never been filled with the Holy Ghost at that point. Who is always looking to? Uh-huh. Asking questions like, do you want us to call fire down on them? You know, like Elijah did. When you come to the throne, you know, can we sit on this side and that side? And Jesus is like, oh. So he's the only person in the Gospels that represents exactly what you present day have. June, or July, the what, 16th, 2017. Jesus is the only person who could represent that. His disciples didn't become what you are until Acts chapter 2. They didn't become what you are now until Acts chapter 2. 
Think about it. Here's some of the things his disciples always were saying to him. His, Jesus never saw the lack. Jesus never gave place to it. But here's what his disciples said. They said, Lord, increase our faith. I'm, getting, I'm doing a little word study this morning. <clears throat> Where's that verse in the epistles? Where's the, where's the uh, commandment, uh, have faith in God, in the epistles? Hmm? If you had faith. You cannot find one phrase in the, New, in the, in the, in the Gospels, or, not, or excuse me, not the Gospels, but the, the epistles where it says, have the faith of God. For one simple reason. You do. <laughs> right? As a New Testament Christian, there, there's no instruction to have faith in God. So Paul never says, Lord, increase my faith. Lord, protect us from the storm. I mean, there, there, there's still a lot of teaching, you know, even amongst our circles that says, you know, when we, when we give the tithe and give the offering, the Lord rebukes the devourer for our sake. No, he doesn't. He does not rebuke the devourer for your sake. He did a Malachi's day. The Lord present day does not rebuke the devourer for your sake. You do. Now that's like, well, now wait a minute. That's the big tithe thing in Malachi. Yeah, under the law it was, right? Are you under the law? No. Are you under the old covenant? No. External? God, when I give, get this, get this thing off of me. Right? We buy it like insurance. I bought insurance so that when I'm out, after I leave the earth, they can do something with me. Have me stuffed, have me mounted, have me put in the ground, and I don't know, throw me off a cliff. I don't know what they want to do. It don't really make no difference because I won't be there. Right? right. right? And then uh, maybe they can go on vacation after that. But we're, I'm looking for a lot of tears. <laughs> Stop, just kidding. Lots and lots of tears. <laughs> So there's nothing that says increase our faith, protect us from the storm. Uh, Lord, we don't have money to, to buy. We can't pay the temple tax. Hmm? We don't have enough money to feed the multitude. Now, how did Jesus deal with those things? Did Jesus really have a situation where they, at the moment, he could not pay the temple tax? The situation arose, and obviously he didn't have within sight what it cost to pay the temple tax, but he knew how to bring it to himself. And he gave instruction, right? And the instruction was to what? Brother Bill would love this. Go fishing. Need some money? Go fishing. Right? The coin will be in the first fish's mouth. Now, you could say, how does that work? Well, it's okay to ask questions like that of the Lord as long as you understand the rules for asking. You can ask how it works that God could put a fish or, or, the, or the, the money in a fish's mouth. What you can ask is, did he? You could ask, you could ask the Lord, how is it 
that Mary became impregnated by the Holy Ghost who knew no man. But you can't ask him, did she? Because she did, right? You can ask for the wisdom of God on a lot of things. But we should never, ever even bring ourselves to a place to where we're praying about something that he's already said according to the scripture. The scripture does not need to be prayed about. It needs to be obeyed. I just quoted Smith Wigglesworth. If you have a problem with that, take it up with him. We don't need, we don't need to pray concerning Lord, if this and if that, if it, if it can be said such and so in the scriptures. Now, uh, when he needed money to pay the temple tax, Jesus, did you find him fasting for it? Did he ask God to intervene? Did Jesus bind the spirit of poverty? (laughs) I don't know why I minister stuff like this. (laughs) I just want nice little sermons for Sunday morning. You know, that's not controversial. (laughs) They just said, that's right. Praise God. That's good. Let's go with some chicken. But you have to admit, when you hear this stuff, you just can't find it in the scripture, can you? You have to, either you know the word and know it's truth, and you adjust to it, or you just like, what in the world is he talking about? Did you, so he didn't bind the spirit of poverty. Did you ever hear Jesus loose the provision of God? Did you ever hear it in church? You hear it all the time, don't you? You hear it on, on Christian TV all the time. We are the bindingest, loosest bunch you've ever seen in your life. It's still looking. <laughs> Who was that? Eastman Curtis years ago. He was, he was a young man. He was believing for his, he got saved, got turned on to Jesus. He was so excited and he's looking for his whole family to get saved. And he just believed in God, just touched my family somehow. So he had a dinner for his, for his mother and invited her over to the house. And he, he anointed everything. The chair he knew she was going to sit in when he got to the house. And he, and he, he got her put on the fancy, uh, brought out all the fancy silverware and all that kind of stuff, and he anointed the cups, and then he, uh, he even anointed her ice cubes, he said. And he you know, laid hands on this, laid hands on that, and put oil on this. And, uh, he, but he did, he said, I took her eyes, he said, my hands was clean, I took her eyes right before she got there, and I laid hands on that. So when touch your lips, he said, the fire of God get all over to that ice. I thought, fire of God get through ice. <coughs> And what was he used to say? He said, he said, the enemy was working against him, his family so much that he said, I just, I'd have that mentality. He said, I bind, I loose, I rebuke, I pray. I bind, I loose, I rebuke, I pray. <laughs> and I went to that church. <laughs> Jesus had no inkling of a waiver about protection. He just commanded the storm to be still. Are you an old covenant ex- external mindset? Are you a new covenant person? Hmm? He rebuked the disciples after he did this because of their unbelief. When the multitudes numbering somewhere between 15 and 20,000 with women and children present, and they knew that there was not physically enough food, the disciples said, send them away, for we do not have enough. Remember that? He said, it's getting late. We don't have enough. You need to send them away. What did Jesus say? Yeah, that is a lot of folks. 
Huh? No, he says, set them down in ranks of 50. Remember? And he took a little boy's lunch of five loaves and two fishes. Now watch here. Here's a kingdom mindset. Go back and read the story because you may disagree with it because you've heard it so many times the other way. He didn't ask God to multiply it. What he did was he operated out of thankfulness. And his dependence of the faith, he, and he knew the provision comes from heaven and not from earth. Right. And so he gave thanks to God for it and break it, put it in the hands of the disciples, and they multiplied. Yes. So here's the principle. If you want exponential increase, anybody want exponential increase? Yes. Thank God for what you have right now yes. and start giving it away. I lost half of you right there. <laughs> Provision is in giving away, not storing up. Storing up is a principle of fear. Hoardum, in the sense of I got to keep everything. Get all I can, remember? Can all I get. Sit on that can. Right? The principle of God is given, it shall be given. Right. God can only multiply what you give, not what you keep. Right. Remember Peter? He walked on the water, walked out a few yards. He defied all the laws of gravity, did he not? Yes. And then shifted his focus recognizing the problem instead of recognizing the provider as his source. When he shifted his focus to the external is where his problem all began. And he began to naturally sink, looking to the natural order of things. As long as he kept his focus and his eyes upon Jesus, the author and finisher of faith, he began and continued to walk and to live into the supernatural. Anytime we recognize lack, you're always looking at your problem and not to the one who provides. So our actions determine who we are trusting. And at the same moment that you're doing that, the mindset is either with or without. Our mindset determines how we approach life and what we can do in life. Remember, you, you remember uh, the scriptures in John 15? And, and, and they're, they're there, but they're only, half, they're only half quoted. It says, without him, I can do nothing. You know those verses? Yes. Did you know they're true? Yes. And then we stop reading. Without God, I couldn't do this. Without God, I couldn't stand up here today. Without God, I couldn't. That is altogether true. That's not where that ends. That's just the beginning. Without him, I couldn't, I couldn't minister today. That's absolutely true. Are you without him? Then minister. Right? If you're called to sing and to worship God, you say, without him, I could not sing praises unto God. You know, are you without him? Sing. See, see the external part? The internal part, Smith said, 
I'm a thousand times bigger inside than I am outside. So when you needed something, the Bible tells us to go to the well of, of your salvation. To draw from the well that which you have need of. Why, why go to the well? Now, what's a well for? Anyone, did anyone ever grow up with a well? I did. Wasn't that great, but I, I, we had one. Always running out, never very deep. And on nasty red iron water. Tastes pitiful. So we drank lots of tea and lots of Kool-Aid. Because you would not want to see what you was drinking otherwise. <laughs> I never knew the difference. The old story, you've heard it. The only time I never knew there was a difference was when we went to uh, middle school and we dressed out in PE and had to put on our gym shorts. They all took off their jeans or whatever they had on, get ready to put their mothers on, and everybody looked at me and I looked at them and was like, I had no idea that mine was so brown. Because <laughs> in our house, had, you know, they washed them in the same iron water, right? And they had on these pearly white T-shirts and shorts, and I looked like I had wetted mine. It all stained, you know. <laughs> and like, West. I was like, huh? What's all that? There was a difference, but I never knew. So we had a lot of grape Kool-Aid. Well, so we had this mindset of uh, that we mentally agree with the Word, but our actions say I can't, and so they don't. We, we mentally agree that this is true of I can't do all things, but he's with me. But our actions would deny that we actually believe that. Jesus said, but I, Jesus said, but I can't. It's true. You alone can't, but you're not without him. Right. You are what? You are with him. So the old covenant mindset says, it says here I can't, but you're not without him, are you? Nope. If you keep thinking that way, you never will be. Without me or without Jesus, you could do nothing. The question is, what is the opposite of without? With. It's not hard. It's, it's, not, it's an open book test, actually. Jesus said, these verses you are very familiar with, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Is that with or without? He's with. Hebrews 13, 5 says, For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Without or with? First John 2, 27 says, But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and it's not a lie, and just, and as I taught you, you will abide in him. So he said, The anointing which you have it, from him, that anointing abides in you, with or without? With. So do we have an external or an internal? We need to have an internal. But our actions many times say we have an external, old covenant mindset. So the son, once again, as a son who serves... A son with a servant's heart. Not a servant, but a son who has a servant's heart. He, he has an understanding of, of the scriptures that talks about in Galatians 3, 26. It says, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For many of you have been baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ. 
The next verse says, there's neither Jew nor Greek, nor slave nor free. There's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, and you are heirs according to this promise. The next chapter says in the first verse, it says, And now I say, Paul says, that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ from a slave. This is where the rubber meets the road. He said, now you are an heir. True? Is that true? Does anyone dispute that? The scripture is that we are heirs of God. You have to start right here in your room. I lied and before me... Pastor Matt got up and he lied. And whoever taught him that lied to him. And we're just a bunch of liars we got to get rid of. Is this, is this the scripture that we are the heirs of God? Yes. He was quoting to you Romans chapter 8, I think verse 17, right? right? So I say that the heir, as long as he is a child or has the mindset of a child or a slave or an employee, Or a minister who thinks that way. Lord, I don't know what to preach. I mean, I'm just waiting on you to tell me something to preach. Lord, I don't know what to preach. I can't preach anything. Lord, if you don't tell me what to preach, I got nothing. I can't preach nothing. I can't preach. I, I can't do it, Lord. I got to have my... my, my. Well, I, 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 I want to be right on line with him. Yes. See, a lot of times we think that's being humble, but it's not. Right. It's being a child. Yes. That's right. God told us in the scripture that that we have that we are being called to be ministers of reconciliation to the people. In other words, he said, if they're lost, reconcile their spirit to me. If they're sick, reconcile their body to me. If their emotions are all whatever, he says, reconcile their emotions. In other words, go do. And in the going and doing, if there needs to be a special instruction, a specific instruction, he'll give you the specific while you're in the middle of going and doing. What I mean is, Paul is covering the part of the world that he's to go cover, telling the good news of the gospel. And in going and doing, he got a special instruction. No, don't go here this time. Go, come to Macedonia. In a vision, he saw a man saying, come over here and help us. But he got that in the middle of going and doing. Right. Not in waiting, just I'm waiting on God. Tell me something I can go do next. Well, I can think of a lot of things you can go do next while you're waiting on that instruction. I can give you enough to do for the next 14 years while you're waiting to get on your next. What did God say? Uh -huh. hmm? yeah. Problem is, you won't like a lot. A lot of it's going to look like work. <laughs> Anyone who's ever been in the ministry knows how to spell it. And if you ain't been in the ministry, you don't even know how to spell it. It don't start with M. It starts with W. W. O. R. K. Hmm? Now watch here. So he says, as long as he is a child, he does not differ from a slave. This is Paul. Though he is master of all. Are you hearing these words? Yes, sir. Yes. Can I read it once again so we'll get it? Paul said, as long as this, in other words, he says, you're, you're not, in Christ, you're not Jew or Greek. You're not uh, Clantonian or Jemisonite or Thorntonite. You're not Shelbyanite. Alabasterian, I have to work on that one a little bit. <laughs> Where you might be from. You're not a Wilsonite, right? Right. I cover most of our area. He said, you're not into that. 
In, in Christ, you're neither male nor are you a female. So they say a woman can't preach. You say, well, that's not a problem. I'm not a female. <laughs> or a male. <laughs> That'll give them a lot to think about. <laughs> For you are one in Christ. And then he says that we are heirs according to promise. So now back to where is that? Chapter 4, verse 1. Now I say that this heir, right, this new covenant person. But now I say that this person, he is an heir. In other words, if you had a, a rifle, you was going to give your, if a man had a rifle, he was going to give his son one day. 30 30, 270, M16. Ralph, would you give an M16 to an eight year old? Would that not be foolish? But one day, one day, in the will, it, it's there. But there has to be a proper time for that. Is that not right? Yes. In other words, would you turn, would you turn the keys to a Camaro? I'm talking about Camaro in my days. Of course, now they got them once again, the chargers and all that. But would you turn that over to a 13-year-old and say, have at it? So he says, but, it's, but he's an heir to it. But as long as he's a child, he does not differ at all from a slave, though he is the master of all. Are you still getting this? You are master of all. You are heir of all. But if you think like a child, if you think like an old covenant person, even though you are master of all, you will not enjoy all. You will not do all. It says, while he is a child, even though he's master of all, he is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Even so, we, when we were children, were, we were in bondage under the elements of this world. We were. So it's clear to see that we are sons of God in Christ and heirs with him as Abraham's seed, correct? correct. Chapter four, 4, Paul says, an heir, there's no difference between an heir and a child, as long as he is a slave. He didn't say he was a slave. But as long as his mindset is external and he sees himself as the slave, as the employee of God, he said there's no difference between that and a child, that and a small children. He said they don't differ from slaves. But according to Jesus, he said they don't know what the master's doing. In other words, they have to be told what to do. So this is the typical mindset. Like I said, they're, they're, they're performance junkies. And so we, we talked about this before and we'll not go further today, but uh, if you think about the, the parable of the servant he, and the, or the talents, and he gave one one and one two and one five, and then he came back to check on it, right? He always comes back to check on it to see what you're doing with what he gave you. We know the one with five, he doubled, and he doubled him. The one with two, he doubled, he doubled him. And the one with what? One, he did what? He just took it and buried it. He said, I know you're hard. I know you're rough on folks. I was afraid it was going to happen if I lost it. So what I did is I did nothing with it. I just went and buried it. So if you give me a minute, I run back to the backyard, and I'll dig it back up, and I'll give it back to you. 
And Jesus said he was wicked and unprofitable. <clears throat> Some of you have had, you, you've employed people in here, so you understand that concept, or you work with people like that. And they might be a great person, but they're that one talent guy. Or maybe they're a one and a half, or one and a quarter. In other words, you can tell them what to do, and they'll say, okay, yes, sir, go do it. And then when they get through that, they're standing right there. And you say, well, did you do something? So, well, I did that. Well, what are you doing now? Well, I didn't know what else to do. And you look around, there's only about 7,000 things they can go to, go do, but you got to go tell them what to go do over here, right? A, 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 a two-talent guy didn't think that way. He tells, he tells you what to do, or you, you tell him what to do, he does that and more. A five-talent man, <clears throat> he thinks that one day this company's going to be his. So he treats it that way. Right. He's respectful to you. He shows you honor. He does everything that you're asking him to. And he looks around to see, what can I do to take this off? Uh, <clears throat> what can I do to take this, the load off of him? What things can I do that, to, to be a, a blessing to him so that he doesn't have to put his hands on this so that I can relieve him into his genius? Right? right? right. In other words, <clears throat> I have skilled craftsmen here. I've got one right in front of me. So, but if, if a man who can design things with a car and can paint the car and can put it in there with no runs, if, if I have him out there picking up, if he's, if he's out there picking up trash in the highway, if he's having to answer the phone all the time and lick the stamps and greet the customer, right? <clears throat> then things are out of order. Some people are employed that should be fired. Right, that's right. Huh? Yes, correct. Can I say something a little bit further than that? Yes. And I'm not thinking of anything. I'm not thinking of anybody. Just don't. don't would. <clears throat> if you have a business and you know your business is from God, it's for a purpose. Yes. It's not just so you'll have more. Right. You will have more. <laughs> but it is your assignment just like this is my assignment. Yes. And everything about that is to increase so that you bring increase into the kingdom of God through where he has hooked you up and assigned you. Yeah. So that means you have to think of increase. You have to think of kingdom. You are a paymaster. Yes. Right? right? You understand that as the paymaster that the business is not even yours. Correct. It belongs to the Lord. That means he has total say-so about the coming in and the going out. He should have total say so about who's working there and who's not working there. That's right. And if you have a person that has very little to no want to or vision to go do anything and they're a drag on you, get rid of them. That's right. You say, well, that's easy to say. <clears throat> well, I, I, I did it for years. I ran a business for years. And the, the, the biggest problem about floor covering is who puts it in. It ain't about the floor covering. I can get that to you in two days. It's about who's going to show up and are they sober when they get here. Exactly. And the ones who had the greatest gifts usually had two teeth. If they borrowed one from somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> you could pay them $2,000 on Friday, and I've done it many times, two or $3,000 in a week. Of course, they had to pay their help and such as that. And on Monday, they would not have money on Monday. Many of them slept in the very van they worked out of. And you couldn't let them work because they shrieked with alcohol. You put them on the floor 
and they were a genius. Or they get to the place to where that wasn't the problem, but they just wanted just enough. And then they'd complain. You ever heard me about, no one, you don't know anybody complains, do you? No one here would do that. But they would complain. Watch here. They would complain. I don't want to have to work that long. And occasionally Saturday would come up. I don't want to work on the floor. Maybe no lady got plants. Well, first off, I wouldn't call my life my old lady. Right? Because she's not your old lady. She's your wife. Right? Do you want an old lady? You can go to the senior citizens. There's some women looking for some help. That's right. And you can get you an old lady. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> now we move past that. <laughs> Getting through some of this stuff. So, so the, the, the guy would complain when we had extra work and he couldn't ever work any extra hours or Saturday. And then when the year came around where we weren't as busy, he complained because he didn't have enough work. Complain because it's too much, complain because it ain't enough. Which way is it? Here's what I found out about in years of running that business. The best way to ever fix that, that guy, that mindset, that installer mindset was to hire me another one. When I hired me another installer, I didn't do it on purpose, but I just needed more help. And this guy, he come in, he was trying to get started. He was good, but he was started. You know, he, he didn't have a reputation. He, no one was trusting him with all this. So I put him on some little things. I said, he's doing that. And he's, he's getting there on time. He's pre- he looks presentable. He represents our company. He, he, he represents us well. He says, yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. And he thanks him for the business. But he gets through. He vacuums the floor and goes out. And it, it, he, he increases our business. So I came back. I found they could do that. So I put him on something bigger. And then I put him on something bigger. And then I put him on something bigger. But he was still hungry. So when a job came up on Saturday... Who am I going to give it to? The one who's hungry, asking to work, and thank you for the work. And the one, I don't want to Which one would you give it to? I gave it to the hungry guy. Then I noticed when the work was so much that two of them was doing it, the guy who was always complaining would say, he'd look over at the other guys, well, he's going to be putting in that day. You know, his roll of carpet or whatever. Well, he doesn't know. You know, all installers want to know what they're headed to. Is it full of furniture? Is it an empty floor? Is it, is, is, is it new construction? Is it a mobile home? We've got to tear it out from under the walls. All this kind. You know, it all makes a difference. So they always ask the same question. Oh, where, where, where's he taking it? I said, to a house. Yeah, well, I mean, is it, is it occupied? I said, it's, it's just a house. <clears throat> that looks like a good bit of carpet. It, it is a good bit. He looked over at his. And uh, he said he said he worked Saturday. I said, yeah, he he put in a job for Saturday. Well, I mean, you you didn't run it by me. Well, you don't want to work Saturdays, do you? Well, I mean, well, I mean, I I found some help that you don't have to do that no more. Well, I ain't saying I couldn't. I said, sound to me like you could. (laughs) (laughs) Sound like every time I mentioned you cried for about three hours, (laughs) whined and complained and belly ached and all that kind of stuff. So it was just. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm helping you, and by helping you, it's helping me. Any more questions? <laughs> See what I'm saying? Uh-huh. What I'm saying is that that employee is not... <clears throat> See, I, I, can't, I can't execute 
what I'm called to do here without the right help. Right. If, if this goes and doesn't go well with me, it's already over. You, you get that? Uh-huh. It's like seesawing by yourself. <laughs> you got to be careful on the going down part. <laughs> Especially if you're a little heavy. <laughs> the going down part hurts. <laughs> I have done it, but I don't recommend it. So you can't do it by yourself. So you, you, you have to have the right people. Yes. Not, not just people, because some people who come in, you're thankful for all of them, but you can't build with them. Right. You know why? Because you can't count on them. You can't say, well, you start doing our uh, one of the most one of the jobs that requires the greatest faithfulness is, has to be a background at Zambu. I, I can't have somebody who might be here, might not be here. Can you imagine how that would work? You, you say, well, we went on vacation. We wanted to listen to the service. Well, we didn't have it. Well, well he he's take a day. We well, went on next week. Well, he still wasn't. He still wasn't being. He's just. Trying to find himself right now. <laughs> you bring your little kid, you know, to the children's church and they're not back there. Oh, where's the children's workers? Oh, we don't have none today. Well, it was sunny. They want to go down the river. You know, just hold them over in the foyer. Yep. You, you go to the nurse and say, we, we don't do babies. <laughs> right? Go do outreach. Say, we, we, we're busy. We don't have time to work. I mean, we, you know, we got to be a lot. So the old covenant and the new covenant, see, we, we take ownership. So those who partner with me, although I understand it's not their business, has to have the mindset and understanding of, of who we are and what we are about. I know when Matt meets with his people every year or around Christmas time, he, he helps them to understand this is what we are doing. This is why we're here. This is what, I mean, I just know his situation, uh, not everybody's. This is what we're about. This is what God called us to do. This is what we're implementing. This is what I see us doing next year. Something to that extent, right? What is he doing? He's giving vision out. So if they're not a part of that vision or they're working against the vision, if they're working against the vision, then there should be a cutoff of provision to make room for someone else. If they're not an answer, they're a problem. Right? If they're not a solution, they're a problem. If they're not helping you increase, then they're causing you to decrease. And you ever thought about this? If that's your call, that Jesus may ask you one day, why did you employ them for 10 years? Because you will give an account of what is and what was to be. And if you surround yourself with people of the wrong mindset, you may answer for that. That's right. Hmm? Uh-huh. Well, I can't go do this because of them. That, that, that's not a scripture. Well, my husband won't do this. We, we said this Wednesday, and I'll close here. It's, it, it's much like once you know God's called you to go do something, go do it. Right. It's, good, it it's good to have people that you can ask it's good to have people that you trust with confidence that you can talk to and say, this is what I have in my heart. I would like you to pray with this about me. This is what I have in my heart. I would like you to, you know, 
In other words, you're, you're trusting them not, not to hear for you, but just to, uh, if you can have agreement there. Not, not yes people, but people sometimes, sometimes the, the, the best friend you can have is one who gets in your way if you're going down. Yeah. But you don't see that you're going down. So we're not talking about yes people. We're talking about people who's connected with you, who wants what you want. And they're there as a guide, but they're also there as a counselor. But after you know, Paul said after he knew the will and the way of God, he conferred no longer with flesh and blood with no one. So it's good to have the counsel. But after that, what are you going to do? After you know the will and the way, there's no one else to talk to. When, when you go to him before judgment day, you can't say, well, they, they didn't agree with me doing this. I mean, we said this Wednesday, and this still stands, I believe. I mean, you need to have agreement, if all possible, with your husband, if you're married. You know, don't start the vision and say, what I've done, I bought us a house, <clears throat> you know, in Saudi Arabia, we'll be moving there in three months. <laughs> and you tell me after you bought the house. Well, it might be that you're moving there. <laughs> she, she may not go with you. So, you know, you're, you're, t you're as one, you're heirs together. But there's things that you know that God's, I'm not talking about something that, you know, dramatic. I'm talking about there's things that, that God has put within you and has shown you. And it's when the time comes to move out, it's time to move. And you, you'll never be able to use, well, they didn't or they didn't or she didn't or he didn't. Because when, when you answer for you, when, when you answer for you, they won't be there next to you. Your husband won't be standing next to you and your wife won't be standing next to you giving account. It will be you and him. You and him. So we don't need, uh, we don't need every direction. Uh, and I, I realize this can be kind of, it ain't really deep, but I mean, this is not, you know, have a good day in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, change sweaters kind of thing. It's uh, a <laughs> change shoes like this and watch the train go around the track. This, this is move on with God. And if there needs to be a special instruction as you're moving, he will let you know. Abraham went not knowing where he was going exactly. He knew enough to not stay home. And most people are staying home. I see people on Facebook sometimes that I graduated with Raymond in 1994 and their statements on Facebook is they're waiting on God since 1994 to know what to go do. That's as dumb as the day is long. Huh? You, you steer a car as it's moving. When it's moving. So Abraham went not knowing where the city was, but he knew the city that he was in was not the city. And he allowed... He allowed God to, to maneuver him as he was moving. Now, he made mistakes. There was no doubt he made mistakes. But God knew his frame. He, knew his, he said he knows we're all dust. But he moved him along as he was moving. Yeah, he made mistakes. I mean, the biggest one was the first one. He says, move, but don't go to Egypt. He says, yes, sir. Where'd he go? Egypt. That's <laughs> the first thing he did. The Bible said he was rich when he left home. And when he left Egypt, he was even richer. So grace... 
the, the grace of God kept him. And he protected him and he protected Sarah through that detour of Egypt and they should never have been there. And so we've all taken detours. We've all had pit stops where we shouldn't have pitted. We've all stopped where we shouldn't have stopped. We've all had layovers that shouldn't have been a layover. But we do not need moment to moment instruction. We do not need 15 minute intervals to know anything to go do. We, the, the knowing is in the going. The knowing is in the doing. You'll know more when you do more. Right? The first time I ran, uh, ran a jackhammer, or rather it ran me, you could have given me a class for three weeks on how to run the thing. And I'm sure I'd have got some good points. But there's nothing quite like, there's nothing quite like they plug it up and say, go do this, and they walk off and you're there. I mean, I was 18 years old, and I thought my teeth was going to fall out, and I didn't have any kind of, all my teeth were my teeth, and still are. But I'm just saying, they were, I was like, this thing is running me all over the place. <clears throat> and when they gave me that ground pounder, and they hooked that thing up, and I thought, what's a ground pounder? He said, nothing to it, son. We want this ground right here packed real hard. You know, it's just a big old, like, shock absorber, and it's, it's a heavy piece of equipment. Y'all ever ran one? I know Jamie, you ever run with ground pounder? You know what I'm talking about? So, I mean, it just jumps up and down, right? You got a bar that you hold, it's got a motor on it, and it just kapoo, kapoo, kapoo. And so he cranked that thing up, and he hit go on it. I was 18 years old at high school, working down in construction, and then when he hit go, it go, and I go with it. <laughs> the problem was, we were supposed to be pounding that ground, <clears throat> and I was steadily heading to the parking lot. <laughs> And every man on that construction site was laughing at me. I mean, they were. <clears throat> and my hard hat was turned around sideways and then backwards. <laughs> and I should have wore a belt that morning. I only had about a 30 waist. <laughs> Them days are gone forever. But anyway, the 30, and my pants was coming down, and I was trying to hold that thing, and it was taking me all over the place. I wasn't running it. It was running me. So I was never so embarrassed in all my life. The next day I said, I just prayed, dear Lord, don't let him put me on that. He said, well, it's ground pounder. And they all laughed. I said, oh, please, can I, can I do anything else? He said, ground pounder. I want your job ground. I said, but that third day, I got it. And, and, and I could just run it with ease. And I thought, why did I let this thing jerk me from here to God's creation all over the place? <laughs> See, the, the knowing was in the going, not in the sitting. And most people waiting on God like people wait on a bus. Yep. And you're not ever going to get there that way. Right. It's going to be in the going. You ain't got it all figured out. Guess what? None of us do. That's right. And so when you go, if there's a specific instruction, like God said, no, don't go there. Go help that guy in Macedonia you see in your vision. And then God will give the instruction. Because you're not a slave. You're not an employee. You're a son and you're an heir. And as long as you think like a child... You're going to have the provision of a child. You're going to have the provision of a slave. You're going to have the provision of an employee instead of having the provision that God supplied for you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm through. God bless you.